Thank you, Pastor Bob. And uh, next week we will be doing a, since um, Pastor Joe and Pastor Vicky's uh, moving so quickly, August 28th, they only have one week with us, we'll be doing a reception for them on the 21st during Sunday school time. I'd encourage you to come out. I think it's good to give them a card and let them know how much you appreciate all that they've done. Uh, for the church. I know I do. And uh, so that will be next Sunday during Sunday school hour. I encourage you all uh, to come out and support them. Is, is Debbie in here? Debbie, stand. Let people see you. This is our reigning Olympic champion and uh, at the Marysville Church of Nazarene. During Olympics, I can't help but think about Debbie. She won a Olympic bronze medal at 1976, she was three years old at, uh, Mont in Montreal. <laughs> in Montreal, from the 10, uh, can you go ahead and do your dive for us? No, okay, no, I don't have you, but uh, I always think of her when I watch the Olympics, how awesome it is to, to be standing on the platform and, and, uh, and, and having that sense of, of accomplishment. Uh, who likes Ikea? Anybody ever been to Ikea? A few people? Uh, Ikea is a store in Cincinnati that is like awesome. It, it's a great store. The problem is once you get inside Ikea, it's hard to find the exits because, you know, you got to wind around. It takes like years to walk through Ikea. And, and it's a box store. It's, it's, it's furniture that you have to put together. And, uh, but, but it's, you know, it's nice looking furniture. And it's, it's got this quality about them that's my favorite quality. It is cheap furniture. And, and so, you know... Amish furniture is here in price. Ikea furniture is here. Terry and I like here. And so we like to go to Ikea and get stuff as we have needs. And, and we were there a couple weeks ago. And, and you bring you get in a box and you take it home. And it's like anything you get in a box, you know, you, you, you've got to follow the directions pretty closely. And, and uh, you, you ever have something that you've purchased that was missing a piece when you almost got done. You know, I've had that happen. Now, typically, I have several pieces missing, but I just, or several extra pieces, but I just tell Terry they make extra pieces, and just in case, and uh, don't worry about that. Uh, that screw really didn't do anything. And uh, but, but every once in a while, I bought something, and I've got it all the way put together, and there's been a missing set of screws. And you, you have to go to the hardware store. Occasionally, I've even had to go uh, and order it from the, the, the furniture company, and they've had to send it to me. And, and that, that's kind of a pain, isn't it? Anybody ever had that happen, where you, you get something almost done, but there's just like one central, essential piece missing? Uh, it's frustrating. It, it can kind of drive you a little bit crazy as you try to finish what you're doing. You, you have that project half done. Uh, we, we want things to be complete, and, and that keeps us from completing what we're trying to do. Now, let's transition a little bit. God has a vision for this world. If you believe that, say amen. God, God has a vision for this world. God has a vision for your home. God has a vision for this church. God has a vision for our community. God has a vision for our country. We still believe that, right? 
Despite the chaos all around, despite the, the newscast and all that we read and all that we see, all that's going on around us, we still believe, I still believe that God looks down at this place, He looks down at our country, He looks down at your home, He looks down at your workplace, and God has a vision, a plan in mind for us. Now, now God's vision is life. If, if I were to give you the essentials, I think it's life and love and peace. Maybe you put order in there as opposed to the chaos that we're seeing. But, but God has a vision that encompasses all of those things. Now, we've been tracking through 1 John, and, 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 and the phrasing that we've used is God sees more in us than we see in us. In other words, that, that John, as old man John is writing to this church, the churches in Ephesus, that they're beginning to, to settle for something less. They're, they're beginning to kind of drift from the essential call of Jesus Christ. They're beginning to accept second best. And, and old man John says, no! Jesus didn't come and die and rise from the dead so that you could settle for less. He came to give you life and to fill your homes with love and significance and purpose. And so God saw them as something more than they saw themselves, and God sees more in us. He doesn't want us to settle. Here's the good news, or here's, I don't know if it's good news, maybe it'll be bad news to you. God has entrusted us to complete his vision. That, that God, has, God has a vision for your home, and God has entrusted you with completing his vision and his mission in your home. God has a vision for this church. I see Roy back there, and I think of Max. You know, Max and, and Pastor Paul and, and I have pastored this church for 50-some years. Now, I'm only like two years of them. Them, them guys were like 40-some years of that. But you've only had three pastors in like 50 years here. And, and all these pastors, I, I have a vision. I, I have an ideal. Uh, Max had an ideal. Paul Whiteford have, had an ideal, a vision for where this church needs to go. But God has the best vision and ideal for this church. It's perfect. And you have a part to play in God's vision for this church. For, for us to be who God wants us to be, He uses people. In our community, God has a vision for our community, and we are essential to God's vision. You are essential. I am essential to God's vision for our community. Maybe you can say this with me, this bottom part. Can you say this? I am crucial to God's vision with me. I am crucial to God's vision. Do you believe that? See, the truth is that oftentimes... And I believe this is a satanic lie. I believe you have an enemy of your soul, and the enemy speaks subtle lies into your life. And one of the things that he'll say is, oh, well, you really don't matter. Or what you do doesn't make a difference. Or they, ain't, they aren't going to miss you. Or you don't have any gifts. Or you're not 
very significant. And sometimes he speaks those lies through other people. <laughs> Some of you have had maybe family members that have spoken those lies into your life. And you begin to think that, well, I really don't make that much of a difference. I'm not this or I'm not that or I don't do this. And so really, what's the matter? You are essential to God's vision in your home, in this church, in this community. You have a part to play. Whether you're old or young. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you consider yourself multi-talented or somebody that just has mediocre talents, however you perceive yourself, you have a part to play in God's vision in this place, in your homes, in your community, at your school, at work. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Beloved. Yeah, I love that phrasing. You know, you can't, can we translate that to us and not take us out of the beloved status <laughs> and somehow not see this as some letter written a long time ago in history, but perhaps this is the voice of God speaking through the Apostle John, not just to the church that originally heard this letter, the churches in Ephesus, but, but this is God speaking to you today. Beloved. Someone who is loved by John, by me, by our Heavenly Father, by others in this church, you are beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So we're finally getting to it. I know two weeks ago, Pastor Josh should have spent more time focusing on love. But, but as we've moved and tracked through this book, the book that, that many say is a, a book focused on love, that the primary concept has not been love, but abiding. And, and so John speaking to people who are wanting to drift from faith, and can we admit oftentimes our temptation is not to run from faith, but to drift from faith, right? Right? Is that not true? In my life, that's true. I, I, I'm not tempted to just all of a sudden walk away from God, but I'm tempted in my walk daily just to drift. And so before we go any further, hear once again what the apostle is saying to the church at Ephesus. Don't drift. Stay true. Abide. But, but after all these weeks of, of abiding, finally love. You know, love is used 13 times, and that's not counting the beloveds. <laughs> love is used 
13 times. The word love is used 13 times in these six verses. And so I think it's important to, to, to kind of delve into the meaning. What is love? Now, we use the word love in all sorts of ways. We use it for frivolous things, like we love the Ohio State Buckeyes, right? <laughs> not that the Ohio, don't, don't stone me, I'm not saying the Buckeyes are frivolous, but, but we use that word in connection. We, we love, I love the candy Buckeyes, right? <laughs> now, those are good. Uh, we love to sleep, <laughs> You know, we use it in frivolous ways. Who loves to sleep? Raise your hand. Who's, who's getting some loving sleep in right now? Raise your hand, okay? Not him. You know, we, we love, I love the beach. Uh, you know, I love the ocean. We, we use love in frivolous ways. And we use it in deep ways. We, we love our friends. We love our kids. We love our family, our parents. We, we love our spouses. We, we love our church. We, we love God. And so we use this word in both frivolous ways and, and profound, deep, significant ways. Typically, we, we think of heart, love as, as situated in our emotions and our passions. It's the heart symbol. It's it's the little fat baby in the diaper with the you know the the, the bow and arrow. You know we, we think of it situated emotionally, and and love is something you feel. That that it's you know Boston sang the song. It's more than a feeling. You know right? Love is a feeling. If you don't get the reference, I understand you're too young. If you're raised in the 70s, you understand the reference. But, but love is, is, is typically thought of as being situated in our emotions and our passions. But, but a biblical understanding of love is helpful, particularly the, the biblical word that's used here. Now, the Bible uses four words for love uh, over the course. And it uses uh, storge love, I think, just one or, once or twice. Not a lot. And this is like an affection. It, it uses even eros love. And this is a, a sexual love, a, a romantic love. The Bible has that in there, but, but not in the most positive light. And, and so we understand that. You, you, see, uh, you see eros love on Lifetime Movie Channel. Who's got Lifetime Movie Channel so I can know who to pray for? Um, okay? Uh, you, you know, on, on, on those romantic movies, romantic books and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of an eros love. You know, none, none of those things are wrong. I mean, I, ho hopefully in, in a husband-wife relationship, all these loves are at work. And, and, you know, eros love is not wrong. It, it just needs to have the proper context to be right. <laughs> now, the Bible uses another word more primarily, and it's, it's Philly, and this is a, a brotherly-like love, and, and it's used more commonly in the Bible. It's, it's a kindness, it's, it's a natural love for somebody that, that is in, in some sort of relationship with you. But the word John's using here, and we've heard this word used oftentimes if we've been around the church much, is agape. And this is a God-like love. And agape love is not situated in our emotions and our, and our passions necessarily. But agape, agape love is about meeting real needs out of our own resources. Agape love is less emotion and more action. 
That's why you see book titles, Love is a Decision. Because we can make a choice regardless how we emotionally feel to love someone in a godlike, agape love style. Agape love, at its essence, is practically and really meeting the needs of another out of our own resources. This is the love that God displayed. God is love. In other words, John's saying that the very character of God is this agape love. Now, it's important to note here, John doesn't say love is God. He says God is love. And there's an important distinction because oftentimes we begin to define God by what we believe love is, and God's our vision of God becomes skewed. John says, no, God is is love. And so we define what real love is by the actions and the character of God. God is love. And God, by his nature, defines what love is and what love means. That, that when you look at God, when you see how God has interacted with humanity with creation, we get an ideal of what this agape love is all about, this highest form of love. And John describes God's love like this. He says, this is in verse 9, by this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. In other words, our heavenly father, his love was shown in this way. We had a need, and we had the need of a savior. We needed to be brought into life from death. We needed our sins forgiven. And out of God's own resources... He gave his son, Jesus Christ. Now John 3.16, we're all familiar with this. For God so loved the world that he gave or sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So, so in that, John is, is, is almost duplicating John 3.16. He's saying we know what love is. Love is God sending Jesus to die in our place. God is meeting a need that we could not meet out of his own resources. God expressed his love through Jesus by sending Jesus. Now, I don't want to go too deep here, but anytime you talk about the Trinity, you go too deep, right? You know, the Trinity is a mystery that, you know, if somebody says they understand the Trinity um, completely and they can explain it fully, I always run from them because it is a very deep subject. And uh, we're Trinitarian. And so when we say we're Trinitarian, we say that, you know, God and Jesus, although they exist in three persons, but they exist in one. And so there's a unity. And so when we say God is love, Jesus is love, right? Right? 
Okay, have I already lost some of you? Some of your eyes are glazing over. Oh, we're talking about the Trinity, and I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to doze off and do my favorite thing, which is sleep for a little bit. But Jesus is love. God is love, and and, and that's true. That Jesus, by His character, is love. But there's something more here. See, see, the Father is love, and the Father expresses His love by sending. And Jesus perfects and completes the Father's love by going. In other words, it's in the obedience of Jesus where he said, not my will, but your will, that the love of the Heavenly Father is perfected, matured, completed for us. Jesus' obedience to the sending of the Father completed or perfected God's love towards humankind. I have learned as I have matured in my faith, I have a greater appreciation for obedience and the significance of obedience in holy people. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Should I tell them the secret, Bob? You don't know what the secret is, so you don't. As a holy person, there's times I do things out of obedience to the Father and not because I emotionally want to. We live in an age. We live in a society. You've heard the phrase, if it feels good, do it, right? That, that if you feel like it, that, that, that all we do, we should follow our passions and, and all is about what we want and, and how it makes us feel. But, but there is a place in the life of a holy believer where obedience guides us into a place where we can complete and perfect the will and the love of the Father. To, to me, holiness has become expressed less about some, some inward urge at times, and more expressed by a not my will, but your will. Jesus, Jesus perfected God's love in his willingness. That the Father met the need for a Savior by sending his Son, and Jesus completed this by his willingness. So, God's love perfected in me. And, you know, is this an indication that a love within me will grow? Yeah, I think there is, there is in the, within the life of a believer. If you're sold out, if you've given everything to God, I believe there is a maturing, a growing, a significant growing in our love that is expressed in our life, that, that somehow God can begin transforming us from the inside out. And, and, and I believe that's true. Love is essential to holiness. I'm going to say that again to, to, to people. You know, we're called on to holiness, right? We're a holiness crowd. We're a holiness church. Love is essential to holiness. And without love, holiness 
is self-righteousness. Without love, holiness is legalism. Love is essential to holiness. And I tell you what, if we don't practice love in our holiness, then we become, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, it's just like a loud gong. It's just a clanging cymbal. Love is essential. But holiness is more than an internal virtue. It also creates a missional passion. In other words, if we are holy people, there is a willingness within us for God to send us wherever he wills. For God to use us however he would like. For, for God to use our resources in a way that brings glory to him. See, when, when pastors say that kind of stuff, I know that there's some that sit in their seats and because I've been there. <laughs> You know, I've still been a pastor far less than I've been a layman. And so I've sat out there and listened to sermons like that. And there's always this ah, squirming and, and fear. Can I tell you, in my life, God has, has never caused me to, to live in, in a complete, uncomfortable, un, unreasonable way by his call, right? You know, the, the, our, our Heavenly Father wants you to experience life and love and peace as well. It, for, for, you know, I guess occasionally there could be people that God sends to, to martyrdom, but, but that's not been what I've experienced in my life. So, so this call is not something that's going to take you from life, but it's going to take you to life. That everything I've given up for Jesus over the years, God has replaced it with more. You're willing to be sent? Are you willing to go? Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, and I think there could be a, a but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So seeing God is, is this thing that we, you know, we, we think of Moses and, the, and, and we think of Moses being hidden by God's hand that to see God is to die. And, and then we have Jesus. And Jesus is God wrapped in flesh. And, and, and you remember the, the last night when he's with the disciples that they're saying, will you just show us God? Can, can you just, we want to see God. What's Jesus say? Somebody tell me, what's he say? If you've seen me, you've seen God. Don't you, don't you understand that in my willingness to go and be sent and to die, you are seeing the essence, the character of God. So, so in Jesus, we see God because Jesus is willing to be sent. And I believe that translates to us. That, that as we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, that this invisible God becomes visible in our obedience to God. That, that as God sends and as God calls us to give and God calls us to go, that, that, that he becomes visible. His love becomes visible to others. 
But not only that, the scripture says, and his love is perfected or matured. And the subject of this sentence is not our love, but God's love. Can we go back to, to, to where we started? That God has entrusted his vision, his mission to you, to me, to this church, to, to people. The all-knowing, the all-loving, the all-creating, the all-powerful God has given us a part to play. He said, here's my love. Finish it. Perfect it. Mature it. See, it's not our love that's being matured in this passage, but it's God's love. Our obedience to the sending of the Father completes, matures, perfects God's love towards humankind. Maybe this is a silly analogy, but it, but it, it seems to fit with what I'm thinking as I think of this scripture. Last week we were at the beach where I was. Terry was at church. I was at the beach. She's a good pastor's wife. She won't go on vacation. She comes to church and lets me go to the beach. But I was at the beach. But two weeks before that, or a week before that, we were at Norwood. And, and we were with Wyatt before he went to Portland. And, you know, we hate to see him go that far away. But I got to tell you, in my mind, I thought, man, we have... We've invested in this kid. We've done all these things, all, these, all the times of prayer, all the Bible studies, all the, all the Sunday school, all the VBSs, all the schooling, all the things we've done. We've invested in this kid. And, and for him to go is to complete, to mature that investment we've made in him. Dylan's only been home four stinking weeks this summer. And it's made Terry and I really sad, but it's made him really happy. <laughs> As he's went all over the Southeast and played music for, for Trevecca's public relations band. And, and you, you, Eric, or Craig, you and Don understand exactly what I'm talking about. They're gone. You miss them. But we've invested in him. We, the music lessons, the, you know, the, the love, the, the investment in him. He's perfecting what we've placed in him. I think of the announcement Joe made today, Joe and Vicki. You know, we love them. I mean, Vicki's been here for 46 years. That was like 10 years before she was born. <laughs> 46 years of Sunday school teachers and pastors and members of the congregation, Lovner. Joe's been here 30, did he say 1980? 86, 30 years of people investing. Now they invested back, right? But still, people have invested and given to them and, and, and they're going and their willingness to follow the will of God. They're perfecting, they're completing, they're maturing the love of this church at Springfield Maplewood. See, we have a part to play that, that God has given to us and, and, and he's allowing us to complete his love. So let me ask you, are you completing God's love? Are you maturing God's love? Is the love that's been poured out on you being poured out on others? Is the invisible God seen through you. 
I'll never forget. It, it's the highest compliment anyone's ever paid to me. As an individual that was mad at something, and I, and I, and I went out and I talked to him, and, and I tell you, it's, it's, it's the highest it's the highest thing anyone's ever said to me. And, and you know, I wasn't doing anything special. All I did was just spend some time. And, and, I, and I, I can remember I put my arm on their, their shoulder and kind of rubbed it and, you know, and talked to them a little bit. And later he said, you know, and I wasn't even a pastor then. I was just a layman. Just a layman. That sounded bad. That didn't mean it like that. <laughs> just an insignificant layman. No. It was before the call of the ministry. And, and I'll never forget, he said to me, he said, Paul... It was like that was Jesus. Do you realize we can do things and it can be just like Jesus is there? God sees more in you than you see in you. God sees more in me than I see in me. God sees more in us than we see in us. That, that somehow the Holy Spirit can inhabit us and through our obedience we can make the invisible God visible. We live in a world that doesn't need any high ideals about God. We live in a world that's chaotic enough. We live in a world that's desperate enough that they don't need to hear stories about God. They need to see God. And God is not going to step down from his heavenly throne and do that. When Jesus returns, but for the time being, in this age of dispensation, God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit and allow you to make the invisible visible and real and tangible. And it's not complicated and, it, and it's, not, it's not about something that's beyond us. It's simply being obedient to the will of the Father and meeting the needs of others through the resources He's entrusted you with. Can, can I be honest here? Sometimes it's not going to be what we emotionally want to do. If you've ever taught preschool, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. There's very few people that wake up and go, oh, God just gave me a passion for preschoolers. <laughs> but God can give you an urgency and a call, and you, through obedience, can make the invisible God visible to a group of three-year-olds and four-year-olds. And let me tell you, three-year-olds and four-year-olds see God quicker than we do. Amen. Where can you complete, perfect, mature God's love? What if God wanted you to complete your, his love with a, your spouse, your kids, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend? What, what, where does God want you to make him visible? There's all sorts of needs that, that we can meet. But let me leave you with this. God has placed you where you are for a reason. You don't have to go to Africa to be a missionary. God has called you to be a missionary, to be missional, 
to, to make the visible God, invisible God, visible right where you are. So I want you to say this with me. Got the next one? Can you read this with me? God has placed me in this situation to show his love. Whatever you're going through. Maybe it's a hard time at work. Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's something in your home. God has placed you in that situation. It's not, it's not something that's out of the blue for God. God understands, and God has given you the opportunity to complete his mission, to perfect his love, to make him visible in the in moments, in that time, in that situation. Stand with me, if you will. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have a great sense that, that I need to have particularly what we would call an altar call here that, that, that I don't know, but I want to give you opportunity. I, I don't want anyone ever to leave our church without an opportunity if, if God's speaking to make things right. Do you? And so we're going to pause just for a second, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with drifting. Maybe it's just a, a matter of you need to say yes to God. Maybe it's just God's right now so real that you sense him so powerful. You just want to come praise him. Maybe you need to come into a relationship with him. But we're going to wait for just a few seconds, and I'm going to close this in prayer. I'd encourage you, if God's speaking, come quickly. Father, um, we give you praise. I'm thankful, God, for every time you've made yourself visible to me. And it's not been in visions on roads. It's not been through something supernatural. But most of the time, it's been through ordinary people following you who have said will, yes to your will in obedience have touched my life. I give you thanks, Lord, for every opportunity you give me to show you. This isn't about me, it's about you. And Lord, I pray that, that in our service time, Lord, we'll get past anything that, that keeps us focused on ourselves and, and prevents us from focusing our eyes upon you. Help us to see you through each other. Help us to love one another so that we can see you through our lives. Give us a sense of urgency for our world. I don't know what's going to happen in the coming days. It's easy to watch the news and lose all hope. But Lord, if, if we lose hope, where in the world will anyone else find hope? So Lord, give us a perspective that keeps our eyes upon you, that allows you to lead, that where you lead we follow, that as you ask, we go and do. And Lord, may you be visible through our church. Lord, I pray for those who've been with us today that you'll bless them and keep us, keep them, Lord, as, as we went through struggles these last few weeks. And Lord, there seems like there's a lot of things going on. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us extra strength that your Holy Spirit will fill us in such a way uh, that, Lord, we'll finish the race well. I pray for each person with special needs today, Lord, that you'll touch them and be with them. Encourage them, Lord, by your presence. 
And Lord, we're going to forever give you praise because you're worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.